Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Stuisto, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, Associate Producer and Stuisto's Creative Copy Manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ talk to Yogesh Deep, Senior Vice President of Growth and Strategic Pricing at Advanced Auto Parts. He shares his journey of how he started out as a chemical engineer to his current role with the company. Along with Advance's B2B operations, he discusses the success of giving frontline team members authority to override their pricing system in store. AJ is glad to not be on a billboard, and Vincent wishes he owned a car. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, it's me, Vincent Petrofessa. That must mean it's another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. Ah, I am one of your hosts, Vincent, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista. If you're not familiar with Starista, really quick, let's pay the bills. I always like saying that. We're really not paying any bills. Starista, we are an identity marketing company, marketing technology. We have our own B2B data, our own B2C data. We help clients, partners, utilize that data, customer acquisition, email marketing. You could also serve ads. We own our own DSP, connected TV, display. Email me at vincentatstarista.com. That is how confident I feel we can help you. I just gave you my email address. I'm also confident about this next person. He is my commander in chief, the CEO. Just look on LinkedIn. AJ Gupta, he is everywhere. Every major publication recently, I love it. He, to me, is my co-host, but we also call him the San Antonio Slayer. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's up, AJ? Hey, Vincent. Thanks for that introduction. I'm still waiting to get into Time Magazine, so if you have any connections, let me know. I do not, but Inc., you're just an Inc., um, this guy's, uh, I think you were on a billboard at one point in San Antonio. You can't go anywhere without knowing Mr. AJ Gupta. Yeah. The, uh, the billboard story is funny. Uh, I, I didn't, well, I, I did make it to a billboard, but somebody else in the same organization made it on the billboard for winning, for raising the most money for LLS. And unfortunately the billboard placement was right over a porn store. So, oh no, that's crazy! <laughs> what a little bit controversial there. So that is so we, you were on that billboard, not on that particular one, uh, which is uh, I finished uh, second, so I made it to another billboard. But the uh, first place winners got on top of the porn store, so I, that's, that's when I thought it was best I finished second. Yeah, that's that's when you're like, you know what, the silver medal, not so bad. I'll take the silver medal. <laughs> What's new with you, AJ? So tell people why you're in all these different uh, publications. I know we think we mentioned some of the great news at, at Starista, but uh, you know, I just shared a nice post you're featured in Inc. Tell us about that real quick. Um, yeah, I think we've just been uh, growing so much that we're getting a lot of uh, inbound requests uh, and especially growth during COVID, I think uh, was uh, well-received uh, and obviously, I mean, it's a great thing that we kept growing as well, but uh, the recent acquisitions have helped as well elevate the profile of the company. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're, 
getting so great at this podcast thing because you know you mentioned the word growth a few times and our next guest is responsible for growth as well as strategic pricing now you're like wait a minute I want to learn more about that title. Yes, it's exactly why we have this next amazing guest. He's very interesting. From a company, if you haven't heard of this company, there is a rock that you are living under. And, you know, I'm sure if that rock was in New York City, it would the rent would be crazy. But our next guest, ladies and gentlemen, from Advance Auto Parts. Look at the marketing stir bringing you powerful brands, ladies and gentlemen. Advance Auto Parts. If I owned a car, I would use Advance Auto Parts. Our producers were already gushing over Advance Auto Parts. But let's gush over this next guest. Senior Vice President, Growth and Strategic Pricing, Yogesh Deep. What's going on, Yogesh? Hey, Winston. Hey, Ajay. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. And thanks for the great award for such a great company, Advanced Auto Parts. Couldn't be more proud of uh, working for, for this fantastic and great, iconic brand and company. So glad to be here. Yeah, no, we're happy to have you. And I love your background, kind of that Advanced Auto Parts uh, logo there. You know, Yogesh, I was really interested obviously advanced auto parts everyone knows it i've been very familiar with it and like i said even though i don't own a car now i did own a car and that's where i went but i would love to understand your specific position i've never maybe it's a position that's kind of normal in in some of those aspects of of retail but i've never heard of that particular uh, growth i've heard of but talk to us about your position and what that entails at advanced auto parts yeah, certainly. So I'll start with our motto, right? At Advanced Auto Parts, we believe in taking care of our customers with speed. Care and speed, you know, that's what really drives every single one of us every single day. And we want to take care of our customers. We want to give them value. And that's where the pricing aspect comes in. So from a strategic pricing standpoint, it's the moment of truth between a customer as they go through their decision journey to go and make a purchase from us, whether they should really you know, buy from us or not at that moment in time is determined by pricing. And that's what I really do, everything, and eventually kind of culminating into that, that value, which we really deliver to our customers. And it's in the way of driving the growth. You know, that's something which is really unique. A lot of times, Pricing is viewed, and it's a role which actually is pretty common across the company. It wasn't so when I started off my career, uh, but it's very easy to use pricing to go and drive your margin. It's very, very, I would say, interesting, for the lack of a better word, to go use pricing to go and drive growth as well without really hurting your other stakeholders. So that's what I do every single day, drive growth with profitability, uh, profitability and I'm kind of just use pricing as one of those levers. And, you know, t- talk to me about how you got into uh, this business. I mean, you lo- worked at companies like Best Buy, Office Max, right? And now Advanced Auto Parts. What was the path to this particular role? Is it analytics? What, what did you study in school we would love to hear the origin story yeah you know what so what i'm a a chemical engineer by background and after (laughs) i finished my chemical engineering i was sitting one day and i said you know what i want to be the 
senior vice president of growth and strategic pricing. And here I am, right? It was that easy. <laughs> <laughs> I love, you came up with a great potion for that, right? Chemical engineer? No, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's a great question. You know, I don't know myself how I landed here, but I'm really glad that I am. And I think as I look back, as you asked me this question and I look back, uh, I think I was very curious. Uh, I wasn't really satisfied with the status quo. I'll tell you, my first job as a chemical engineer was in a NAFTA cracker plant. You know, don't ask me right now what NAFTA is, but it's like it's the it's the mothership of all plastic, right? And I would ask my question, like, why the hell am I producing today at 80% and the other day somebody's telling me to go and turn up, crank up the you know capacity engine to 110% of what we really can produce. What is really driving that radiation? And that led me into more on the business side versus kind of getting deeper into the into the uh, chemical engineering field itself. And that habit of mine kept on kind of just prodding me to go and seek those answers. At some point in time, I do not know how it all worked out. I just started to go and use the data to go and get answers for myself. And then when I came to US in, in 2000 as a student, uh, I just, I just uh, you know, kind of continued with my data, you know, curiosity and using data to go and provide the answers and move into the world of consulting. And it is actually true what I'm going to go and share. Like, I was looking for my next project. I just finished a project in the, in the, in the lubricant sector. I was just waiting for like, what should be my next gig? And the senior manager uh, from, from Boston kind of just reaches out to me and say, Yagesh, do you have availability to work on a very interesting project? It's in the area of pricing in retail. I said, his name was Denny Thompson. I said, Denny, I don't know retail. I don't know what it is. In India, I've never seen retail in those years. There's, there's not, no concept of retail the way you really talk about here. And I don't really know pricing either, but I'm interested. And But what is it that you're looking in me for? Like, why did you reach out to me? And I said, okay, so I'm looking for somebody who can burn the data. And all I really need is great Excel and access skills who can really tie it together. And that was my start of my journey. And once I entered into it, I would say it's just the passion and love for retail and data and kind of solving for those problems. Pricing is an area which kind of just, despite being a consultant, put me into the shoes of the customer and consumer and how they really think about it. It was so exciting and I just kind of just stuck with it. And I guess uh, eventually one opportunity after the other opened up and uh, here I am. So Yogesh, what's been the highlight for you in the last few years that you've been at Advanced Auto Parts personally? You know, a couple of things. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting question that you ask. Uh, I think last year has been really, really, I would say, difficult for everybody across the globe. You know, I don't think there is anybody who has remained untouched by what has happened due to COVID. And the biggest highlight for me, not only in advanced auto part, obviously it happened with me in the advanced auto part world, uh, but, but in my career, I would say, the way we really came together as a team to take care 
of the safety of our team members in our stores and our customers is simply amazing. You know, under the leadership of our CEO, Tom Greco, the kind of measures which we really put in place, the kind of uh, actions we really took. As we look back today, you know, like hopefully we are at the, at the cusp of getting rid of this whole COVID thing with vaccination and all around us. Uh, you know, I cannot be, it, it cannot be more gratifying for anybody to just see what we have really done. You know, like classic great example of, you know, putting people first, not worrying about profits and really driving the whole organization together towards the same model that we need to serve our customers with care and speed and safety. We need to take care of that. Has been a, actually a highlight of my career, like in the crisis, how a leadership really kind of comes together to go and do it. Uh, specifically within uh, advanced auto parts, I would also say like, this is a company which believes a tremendous lot in diversity. Uh, I am an example of that myself. And the way we really lay emphasis on really promoting our uh, uh, our women leaders and kind of giving opportunities for them, whether it is in my function, whether it is the broader function I belong to in finance, or whether it is advanced auto parts, you know, that's really gratifying to go and see as well. And I think that has been highlighted. I think the number of sheer number of opportunities that I've been able to go and exercise to go and really give support to our women leaders to go and have them help develop and the kind of I would say policies we put behind uh, within the organization to go and help them support and grow their career. It's, it's just simply amazing. Now, outside of that, obviously there are innumerable examples I can keep on going forever uh, from a work standpoint, but I'll spare you guys all of that you know, detail today. But uh, you know, those are a couple of things I'm so proud of. And I think I will always be proud of in my entire life. Yeah, it does seem like, uh, at least in Texas, uh, the pandemic is coming to an end. The uh, based on, I base it on the traffic I have to face every day, which was the one positive aspect of the pandemic. <laughs> uh, but how how does that you know for uh, how does your strategy for twenty twenty one change? And obviously, it's evolving as things are improving across the country. Yeah, so from a strategy standpoint, obviously I think we have seen a, a pretty good uptake as it's pretty apparent in our results. Uh, COVID, uh, as it came and hit, we were deemed as an essential business. Uh, we definitely uh, provided that support and comfort to our customers that, uh, you know, we are there if their cars break down, think about healthcare workers, think about first responders, think about our uh, our, uh, you know, police personnel, right? When they really need to go and get to their jobs and if they have a problem with their car, their battery has died or they really need to change their wipers or lighting and things of that nature, we are there. So that's the level of comfort. It definitely helped us from that standpoint as it did a lot of other businesses. I know there have been some businesses who have really faced the brunt of those. We've been lucky to not have that. As the traffic is bouncing back and we do I see that in, in, in our trends, what we need to go and watch for internally. Uh, so that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, uh, now specific within that context, specifically the question that you really asked around, how has uh, our strategy evolved? Uh, I think uh, 
One thing which has remained constant is taking care of our customers with safety, care and speed. You know, we do not think about this. You know, your car is out there for repair. Uh, an automotive shop is repairing your car. And if they have to wait for two hours to go and get a part, uh, it is going to be really painful for them because they cannot attend to any other car unless your car is fixed because it is right now up on the way. So we have further emphasized in terms of our delivery. We've invested a tremendous lot and we want to continue to invest a lot in terms of, uh, you know, what we call as hotshot delivery. You get your product delivered to your home, you get your product delivered to your shop within 20 minutes. And we have instituted a free delivery uh, if you would offer uh, to go along with it. Uh, but every single thing which we're really doing has this whole mantra, what I call of care, with speed for our customers. Specific to pricing standpoint, um, the way I have started to go and look for uh, the opportunities is with the underlying uh, framework, what I call as very fondly call as uh, 4C. So it's obviously just the number, it's a four and it's an alphabet C. So what does that mean? Uh, and what that to me means is customers, so that's where everything starts when we really think about our growth and we think about our pricing. Channel, we have multiple different channels with which we reach out our customers. They want uh, to interact with us in different capacities based on what's more convenient to them. Com competition, we know competition is out there and they do certain things and we do certain things and how uh, the whole market is evolving and there's something good out there which if our competition is doing or if in general retail industry is doing, we want to be in sync with that as well. But we also want to leave the market with some new practices. And the last but not the least is the product or category, the fourth C what I call as category, is we want to be relevant. We want to have an assortment, right assortment at the right place at the right time so that customers do not have to go back disappointed. Oh my God, I made this trip all the way to my store and I have a great relationship with the, with the team member and the store manager over there, but I just can't find my part. You know, it's not that it's a lost sale for us, it's a big disappointment for the customer and based on their time. So we are focusing very, very heavily on all of these four C's as we kind of think about our growth and our, think about our pricing specifically. And you know, guess you, you mentioned earlier about, you know, you understanding data and in the beginning of this, right, that was like, you know, hey, if you understand that this is a, a great opportunity to go down this path as far as it, within the pricing realm. So but but how does data feature in your work and, and how do you use data for more intelligent pricing? Yeah, it's a really interesting question that you ask. And uh, this is what I would say, you know, data is a great hope, people call it for, as the next oil for the world uh, as well. Uh, but when it really comes down to application of data, the number of use cases start to dwindle pretty fast. Uh, that's what my experience has been. In the advertising world, obviously there are a lot of companies, I don't have to really name them, but you know they may be flashing in your mind as I speak about it. Uh, they obviously have changed the world for good forever, right? By using data. Uh, but in the business world, if there is one function which 
really thrives to the power of data, that I would say is pricing. And I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, exaggerating here, or I'm not biased here. I truly mean it. Uh, right from how we start to go and make uh, our models, which tell us uh, what pricing it should be. So they incorporate the feedback from customers. So that's data because they are sharing their inputs and we convert that into data. Uh, what is our category's role in the eyes of the customer? How we really want to drive that role as an organization? Uh, what is our intent? What is it that we want to go and do with it? You know, that's another data set which we really go and incorporate it to, into our decision-making process. Obviously, there's this thing called as elasticity. As pricing changes, you know, so does the demand and what are those impacts so from a transaction level standpoint, that's data. Uh, we do keep a sense of the marketplace, what's going on, what our competition is doing, uh, how inflation is shaking out, you know, what else is going on in general from a macroeconomic perspective. So these are all very data streams and we bring that into our models. It starts itself, the whole journey itself starts with data for us. And then all along the way, you know, at the end of the day, it is about uh, arriving to that specific price point, which really reflects the value of our offer to our customers uh, data plays a very, very critical role. But what is very unique about pricing is the action itself is data. We have to transmit data. Think about it for millions of our SKUs across thousands of our stores and even tens of thousands of our B2B customers. That data gets transmitted through a pretty intensive I would say technology infrastructure, and we have to really go and stay on top of that. All those pipes are the conduits from a CSC, customer service center, or a headquarters going into our stores where the moment of truth with our customers happen, the data flow itself also has to be really robust and well thought through, flawless execution has to happen. So uh, I think uh, pricing is one of those unique use cases where everything starts with data and it ends with the data. So I think that is truly an oil for us, I would say. I'm a chemical engineer, right? So I have to use that oil. And oil. I use the oil. I like it. Hey, well, we're in, as a data company, I'm like, that's pretty cool. All right. You know, we've got, we're sending out some oil, AJ. Um, <laughs> but, so uh, Yogesh, talk to me about, uh, you know, did you have to alter pricing during these times, and, and, and another part to that question, because this this other part I find fascinating, are you also responsible for saying, okay, like you know, this is when we're doing a sale on something. This is when uh, we think a sale on our uh, to discount our pricing should be now. I always find that interesting of when stores do sales. So my one question is kind of a two-parter. It's kind of, have you had to alter pricing during these times, meaning, you know, 2020 and, and, and currently to fit the, the environment, uh, the, the, uh, the world as, as it is. And also, are you responsible kind of for you know, injecting sales at the right time? Yeah, you know, great question. I think that altering, what you call as altering pricing, you know, I think that dynamic city, if that's the right word, uh, about pricing, about 
about retail itself is what has really attracted me towards this sector. And I'm, you know, once I got a sense of what it is that I've remained in it for the last more than 15 years of my career, uh, we alter our pricing every single day. Uh, we alter our pricing, you know, pretty regularly. It's, it's such a dynamic environment that you have to really go and take a look at it uh, in, in an equally dynamic fashion. Uh, but to your specific question, like did we change maybe our strategy in terms of how we altered our pricing? Uh, the answer to that would be yes, we did. Uh, we do understand as an organization that these are really challenging times. Uh, and these are, these are the times which are totally unprecedented. And I think this word has been used like probably you know the most used word I would say in in in, in this unfortunate pandemic we you know see ourselves in. So one thing which was supreme for us before anything else was is how we really give more value to our customers. And pricing was a component of that value delivery. Now that value can go in the form of a promotion, which is a temporary promotion, or it can go in the form of a much more permanent change where we have actually gone ahead and you know, lowered our pricing thresholds. We've led the market to go and make different strategies or maybe kind of optimize our pricing so that it actually really goes and appeals to certain segments which we really want to go and target. We've done all of that, right? I think there's not any one single thing which we have really ignored. Uh, in, in terms of your specification, do I interact with decision-making around how we really give out the, the promotions or you know, what those coupons would be? The answer is yes. You know, that's what is part and parcel of uh, our core job. My teams are dedicated to go and understand the trends and the patterns. Uh, we do not want to be second to none in terms of uh, no one in terms of giving out the value uh, to our customers. And that's something which, which, which they do every single day, yes. Yogesh, is part of the responsibility then also to negotiate better prices if you find yourself uh, with too high a price on an item with, uh, compared to a competitor? Yeah, so we do monitor uh, our pricing in, in the marketplace and where, where does it really stand. And we ensure that our pricing is competitive and it, it, it actually is representative of all the value which we deliver to our customers from our product selection standpoint, what our product specifications are as compared to uh, some, some of the specifications which our competition offers. Uh, the service which they really get once they are in the store, you know, the kind of interaction they have with our team members. So all of those elements do actually go into us making the right decisions from a pricing standpoint. Uh, despite doing all of this, right, we price millions or hundreds of thousands of items for sure on an every single day basis, millions of items on a, on a longer period of time. And which I said, go across thousands of our stores. Uh, there would be instances where we will uh, not get our pricing right. Or maybe there would be instances where a customer who's been very loyal to us and they've been buying from us 
uh, a lot and they will walk into our stores and they will find, oh my God, like my price is not necessarily the best price out there. To manage those situations, we also empower our frontline team members with a, a phrase called PMOR, price match override. So where they have the authority in that moment of truth to go and make our customers happy by overriding the price in the system, right? So that a customer doesn't have to walk out of our doors disappointed that, oh my God, somehow this pricing was not what they really saw somewhere else, or they have seen, uh, you know, in the store maybe a few days ago and now it is different. Other unique thing about us, which is not necessarily true in general for other retailers, I don't want to name specific names, is the conflict of the channel, especially between online and in-store. Like how often have you found yourself buying a book, let us say, right? That, oh my God, the online price is different than what I'm seeing here in the store. And by the way, a team member telling you, nope, we won't match that price. Sorry, you have to buy, you are in the store. We don't do that. We take utmost care to align our pricing online and in the store. It doesn't happen easily. It requires a huge amount of uh, analysis and huge amount of flawless execution to go and, and, and happen. Simply, you know, there could be a different timing, uh, for example, from price change standpoint, uh, thinking around when do we really make changes to our prices so that the customers are not exposed to them at that point in time as the labels are getting changed or as the pricing is getting updated online. You know, maybe it has to be at two in the morning or maybe, you know, at a point in time in the day where actually our traffic is very minimal so that, you know, we do not create a sense of confusion with our customers. So we do take care of all of that stuff as well. But at the end of the day, as I said, take care of our customers with speed, you know, that's what really drives and that's what really drives every single decision that we really go and do and make. It's, it's pretty fascinating, Yogesh. You're the first one with pricing in your title on our podcast. And, you know, now that you say it, I'm thinking, well, I, every grocery store I've ever been to, there's probably a reason why things are priced a certain way. You just don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, either there is a pretty big, huge gankulator, which is simply churning out price, or there is a pretty robust team behind that gankulator who is actually thinking through in a very, very meaningful fashion. At Advance, uh, we, we, we make sure that there are people who really are putting themselves in the shoes of our team members and our customers as they really go and deploy it. Uh, you know, this huge amount of data as well as kind of analyze it to go make those decisions. But yeah, it's a fascinating area. You know, I, I, I love to lead a team uh, which, which is world-class, so. Um. And one follow-up question on that. So people, we have a lot of uh, young students that listen to our podcast as well. So, you know, for people who are interested in a uh, career in pricing, you know, what are what is the background? Obviously, uh, chemical engineering is uh, probably not the usual typical path <laughs> to it. So, you know, what would you recommend they do? And also, where does it fit in kind of the org chart? Is it under marketing? Is it under IT? Yeah, you know, so it's it's a great question, Ajay. Uh, in my career of fifteen years, uh, let me count like kind of backgrounds which really kind of pop up in the top of my mind uh, with, from which people have been part of my team. Music, 
history, economics, engineering. Uh, I actually had a person once who was an engineer and then she left to go and pursue a medical career. She's actually a doctor nowadays. Uh, uh, let us see, uh, people have been in uh, political science space, people who have worked for actually uh, some of uh, the Congress uh, men in, in, in Washington DC and then eventually they changed their career trajectory over time and they've been part of my team. Uh, I think more than data itself, I think that's a skill which if you have the passion and willingness, you can learn, you know, and there's so much to it. Uh, and there are in so many applications within the world of pricing uh, that there's always a scope of what specific things about data you really know and we can use it. Uh, but the thing which is a pretty common thread across all of these is uh, what I call as structured problem solving skills. Can you take a situation, break it down into its logical components and try to go and solve for that? People. Uh, who are successful in the pricing area has the skill um, come to them pretty naturally, or maybe they have developed it through their college education or training or that side. And I think that is something which goes a long way in them interacting with uh, different functions within, within the organization, especially in a retail organization. Now to your question around where does pricing belong within a company like Advance or in general within retail, well, uh, I have in my career reported into chief merchandising officer. I have reported into chief marketing officer. I've reported into chief finance officer. Uh, I think the only person I have not reported into is the chief procurement officer, if you would, right? So uh, uh, it's, 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 it's one of those areas which actually touches everything. Uh, the most important thing is rather than where does it actually reports, it, it, the most important thing is where can you be more objective? So if you think about any organization, marketing, right? They have a uh, vision, they have a agenda they really need to go and drive to go and deliver to the metrics within the year, right? And, and, and same goes with finance and same goes with merchandising. But when you think about pricing, it impacts everything. From a finance standpoint, obviously, what your revenue growth is and what your margin dollars impact are and what is your margin rate impact is, you know, that's where it comes from a finance standpoint. From a merchandising standpoint, it is the core of merchandising. You know, it's the product, it's the price, it's the place, you know, how you really reach out to customers and what, you know, interaction the customers have from a role of that product or that category perspective. It is inherent in there. So it touches merchandising every single day. And then from a marketing standpoint, think about promotion, Vincent, you asked that question earlier on, you know, whether it's a promotion, which is a temporary price reduction, whether it is some sort of a bundle promotion, am I advertising it in my customer buyer guide or is it going online with my affiliates or with, with some of the internet uh, uh, channels, which we really have to go and reach out to my consumers with. All of that, it touches marketing as well. So it's a pretty unique function. Where it thrives the most is where you can have that independence, right? So there's an objective view. Merchandising may have their objectives and marketing they have, may have their own objectives. They may not be necessarily 100% in sync 
at a tactical level on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's where pricing comes in to go and strike that balance. Similarly, across the channels too, you know, there's always a channel conflict. Uh, you know, should I buy the product online or in-store or maybe should I go to a uh, automotive part uh, repair, uh, repair shop to go get my car fixed, right? And what do I have to pay for the product there? Customer is going and making those decisions, which translate into people who own those channels making their decisions. So pricing can play a very good role in terms of bringing those teams together to make a decision, which is good for our customers and good for our, our company. And most importantly, it doesn't create confusion in our customers' minds. It conveys that value proposition that we really have. So it actually can be as long as you follow these principles, it can be part of any of these. And as I said, I've been part of all of these different functions in my career. Uh, within advanced auto parts though, uh, I rolled into our chief finance officer, so CFO. So we are part of the finance organization here. Yogesh, before we get into some of our you know, uh, infamous questions uh, that we have that we ask all of our guests as far as LinkedIn and our pet peeves, we'll get to that in a moment. But I want to ask the B2B aspect of advanced auto parts. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. Is that people know the, the stores that you can go into retail repairs. You could also go into the, obviously to the website. What's the B2B aspect? Yeah, so uh, think of yourself as a customer for a second and you own a car, right? Uh, there are some customers who are car enthusiasts, right? Earlier on in our chat, right, you said, yeah, you, when you had a car, you would go to advanced auto parts all the time. Uh, they like to go and work on their car themselves. They're emotionally more attached to it. It's a vehicle they really want to go and attend. And as they really are trying to go and do things, whether it is a polish or whether it is changing a particular part or changing wipers or a light bulb or a battery, right? They want to do it themselves. That's where they really go. And and to, to a store uh, of ours and go and buy that product. And then they just want to go and, uh, and do the job. Uh, there are some people who want to learn about it. You know? So they go and look for videos on our website and say, okay, this is how I can go and make the chain happen. But then there are a large population of customers uh, who either do not have time or the motivation or the ability to go and really work on the car themselves. It's too complex for that. And in which case they go to an automotive shop, uh, either a major national chain or a you know, small local uh, shop, uh, if you would, and they get their car fixed or improved upon or whatever the need is uh, you know, that gets taken care of there. And those people, whether these are big, huge national uh, chain customers or a local automotive shop, are our customers in return. So when a customer comes to them, I want to get a part change, that part is something that we supply to that uh, specific business who in turn then uses it on their cars. So that's essentially the B2B business, which is pretty, pretty important for us. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's uh, yeah, something that I didn't even think about. So yeah, thanks for clarifying. And let's get into some of the personal side with just a few minutes left, but also, so one of our staple questions, Yogesh, LinkedIn, right? There's a lot of marketers out there who listen to this podcast. Maybe they use LinkedIn. Now, I don't think you're going to have many pet peeves because 
you are such a nice guy, but who knows? It's okay if you do, but your title with a company like advanced auto parts, I'd imagine a lot of people are reaching out to you to get your attention. What's a message on LinkedIn that gets your attention that says, you know what, I'll connect with this person, this company. And what is a, a pet peeve that you just don't like when people reach out on LinkedIn? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question you ask, and I'm thinking on the fly here. Uh, I think the message that gets my attention is something which is more personalized, right? I think when somebody's reaching out to you and they make it clear uh, that, you know, they really, they really care about you uh, and they just really genuinely want to connect with you. Uh, the things which I do not like so much is when you can very clearly make out the people are reaching out to you for your title, just because you happen to, you know, have a title flashing on your LinkedIn profile. So let me just go and connect with that person. Or I think it has become off late a little bit more uh, prevalent than what it used to be even just a few years ago is uh, a lot of people reach out representing companies, but they come across as, if I dare use the word, arrogant. We know what your problems are because we help others in your industry and we have the best thing in town without even fully understanding the context. And the thing which has always you know, irritated me the most is when somebody reaches out to you with a note I am so-and-so, I would love to understand what are your objectives and key initiatives for the next year so that I can help you. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know you. <laughs> Let me give you my secrets. Yeah. <laughs> some of the work which I do is super confidential. Like, how do you expect to reach out to someone and straight away ask for it? Just share your objectives and activities and initiatives with me and I know I can help you, you know? I think... LinkedIn is a platform to go and build relationships, professional yeah. relationships. And uh, there are some people, I would say there are most of the people who know what it is for and they use it appropriately and they reach out and I love to connect with people. Uh, but, you know, there are always certain things which kind of irritate you yeah. sometimes. If I like that with the, the secrets. Give me all your initiatives. And then, yeah, when people send that to me and they get my name wrong, it's like, Victor, I'd love to hear all your deepest, darkest secrets. And then I could come up with a plan to help you. All right, buddy, how about you get my name right, first of all, and then I'm not giving you anything. That's actually a great point. A lot of time people use my last name as my first name. Hi, deep. <laughs> my name is Yogesh, right? Yeah. I, I get oh, it. You know, there goodness. are some people who have you know, a very formal way, hello, Mr. So-and-so, right? Yeah. I, I get it, right? But people, sometimes they get the spellings wrong, like, yeah. Oh no, I get it. Look, you know, when you have a last name like Pietro Fessa, it happens all the time like me. So uh, I get it. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. That's that's our staple, one of our staple questions. Yeah, we try not to spell Vincent's name because we know we'll get it wrong. So we yeah, but I, I think I have the only email where it's like Vincent at Starista. That's true. It, yeah, it's yeah. like, don't even bother that. That means there will be error and people can't reach me and I need my partners and clients to reach me. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Agent. That's funny. So, Yogesh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, what hobbies you have. I know we were talking about cricket earlier. I think I heard you're a cricket player yourself. So what uh, position do you play? 
Well, you know, I wouldn't characterize myself as a cricket player, but I am a cricket enthusiast, is what I would say. <laughs> the thing which now at uh, the stage of my life where I am, the thing which I love the most about cricket is it gives me the opportunity to be with my friends. Uh, as, as the weather is opening up, we'll go and huddle together at 6.30 in the morning. We'll grab a cup of tea or coffee and we'll chit chat and we'll go and, you know, uh, play 14 overs, 15 overs, 16 overs, depending on the day, and uh, kind of just have some fun together. You know, I think I think it's a great uh, mechanism to unwind. Uh, more so than playing, I also watch cricket. I do not miss out on any game that India is playing, whether it is a test match, there's a recent series which it wrapped up with England, and then before that with Australia or a T20 or things like that. One thing which I have not kept pace is, is, with is IPL. You know, I think that's too intensive it becomes. There's not enough time, number of hours in the day. But uh, uh, in terms of what position do I play? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I think I can bat okay. And uh, uh, people uh, tell I ball okay as well. Like my balls are pretty deceiving to them. So... Uh, that's good to know. Sometimes I can trouble people. So that's more than enough for me. But at the end of the day, you know, I don't play competitive cricket. It's just more for fun. So that's what I do uh, quite often, especially uh, when it is not winter and it's not snowing. Uh, other than that, I'm a chess player. I used to play a lot of chess. I used to play uh, it for my university. I used to be a champion uh, during my, my uh, college years uh, as well. So uh, I like to go and play it every once in a while with my son, uh, but most importantly, I love to love to spend as much time with my family. You know, whether it is they, if they tell me let's go shopping, I go shopping, but I'll try to go and find out an ice cream shop and let's go and like sneak a little, you know, little scoop here, or uh, just you know just go and uh, walk on the uh, streets of Princeton. I love the area where I live, and it's just so uh, relaxing to go and just. Uh, you know, just watch people mingling around, going about their daily lives uh, and kind of students, you know, rushing from one point to the other point. Maybe they're trying to attend a class in a, in a rush. So that itself is fun. So uh, nothing in specific, but I just try to go and take life easy and enjoy it to the fullest. And speaking of college, aren't you one of your, uh, I don't know if it's your son or your daughter is, is on the search for uh, colleges, right? Oh, yeah. So I've got two kids, uh, both high schoolers now. My daughter, uh, is, this is the time when the college uh, admission letters are coming in. She's got two three colleges under her belt already, and she's waiting, waiting for uh, you know, a couple more. One of uh, those is her dream college. So we'll see where she eventually ends up. And uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting time, but for me, I think it's a little bit emotional time too. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know I don't know if my son would hear it and then how he would be, believe, but my God, like my daughter, I'm so close to her. Not that I'm not close to my son. Yeah. She'll be, she'll be leaving home in a few months time, but I'm excited for her to go and fly and find her own destiny. Uh, are all the schools a little further than you want away? Yeah. 
Well, you know the kids nowadays, right? So <laughs> they don't want to be too close to parents. No, <laughs> I, I couldn't wait to get away. I was like, you know, I was like, wait, this is four and a half hours away. I'm yeah. out. See you later, mom. Like, no. <laughs> I guess the same I, amount of emotion doesn't go with teenagers, right? They want to go. Um, oh, my God. Like, I don't want mom or dad to show up on my campus. Like, you know, I don't know. Well, yeah. Oh, that's so, awesome. As, as of now, my uh, seven-year-old... Uh, plans to live with us uh, forever so we'll see how long that <laughs> yeah. lasts yeah, yeah. Well, yeah then then she's 17 and she's like dad you're embarrassing me and i don't want you around what kind of dance move was that like yeah you know but aj and i we both have small children so i have years of embarrassing them uh, ahead you know but, but yogesh this has been awesome we really appreciate it thank you for taking out you know, the time to uh, spend with us on the marketing stir uh, once again, that is Yogesh Deep, Senior Vice President, Growth and Strategic Pricing, Advanced Auto Parts. I'm Vincent. That's AJ. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. Thanks, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, Yogesh. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.